Hey gang, fun fact, I almost named this podcast Playland LA. Not quite it, right? Like kind of weird, kind of like an amusement park or a weird kid's toy factory where somebody dies. Anyway, it's not Playland, it's Playscape LA. You're back. You're back. I'm. I'm also back. We're at episode four. Hi. Oh man. Uh, it is Tuesday morning, Monday night, technically, or something. Uh, I'm recording from home. Just got back from doing some work. We released Hyperlight Drifter last week. The weekend was good. Everyone was super positive. I watched a bunch of streamers play the game, and it was pretty rad. The game works. People have finished the game. Uh super talented players are starting to do speed runs of the game and we're starting to learn a lot of cool tricks that we didn't know you could do um it's a really exciting time uh it's we're still going into the office every day uh at least for now we were all here we were all there monday morning working on some bugs that some people were having um and it looks like it's going to be like that for at least this week just to kind of make sure we get the big stuff out of the way and make sure that nobody's having uh, really bad problems. Uh, but it's been it's been super good. It feels still weird. Um, the release weekend went well. Like it was a it was a top seller and that was great. It kind of feels like the only way I could describe this is like um, if you see in a movie like a nuclear explosion uh, in the distance, they do like the you're really, really far away from it, and so you can see the big explosion and the mushroom cloud. And then there's this time where you're kind of waiting for the shock wave to reach the camera, and then it, it does, and it, it looks really cool, and everything gets knocked over. Um, hopefully we won't get knocked over, but that's kind of what it feels like. It's like this big thing happened, the game released, and uh, I, I guess I would say at this point, like, it's a... It feels like it's it's a success, but uh, you always have to stay vigilant, and we have to do the right things when it comes to um, continuing to tell people about the game and stuff. But yeah, like we did the thing, um, but it doesn't feel like we did the thing. I still am going in, and, and I'm fixing bugs, and I'll look over and see someone uh, at Glitch City, where we work, playing our game, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Uh, the game's out, and, and here I am like working on it still. So there's this weird middle period where... Um, you know, we're, we're just kind of still sitting around. Uh, many of the reviews have not come out yet, so we don't really know the critical response. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm waiting for. I don't, maybe there is no shockwave. Maybe it just keeps feeling like this. Um, like something more shocking is supposed to happen. Um, Obviously, like the the game is doing pretty well, so it's it's making some money, which is is really cool, and that will 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 come to us at some point, and that um you know depending on how it continues to do, and that'll be an interesting experience. Um, but it's just here we are. The game is out. We're still in this immediate following period. I think there's gonna be the nuclear shockwave. It's a really dark metaphor. I don't know why my mind went to like a bomb blowing up because. I hope we haven't blown up anything. Um, but that's how I'm feeling. 
uh, I wanted to take some questions this week because I don't know. I don't know what to think, and I'm tired of kind of uh, rambling at you guys. So I took a couple questions from Twitter, and I'm just going to talk about them, talk about the game for, for a few minutes. Um, my guest, by the way, this week is Sarah El Male, a voiceover artist uh, in games who is, is phenomenal. Um, I will give you a full intro on her in a few minutes, but let me get a couple questions out here. Um, Oni Davin on Twitter asked, uh, what got cut that was just the biggest debate? Uh, and this stuff is always fun. Um, I'll talk about one. So we, we used to have a weapon in the game. We used to have a lot weirder weapons. Now in the game, uh, pretty much all the weapons are variants of, of sort of a traditional gun sort of thing that shoots out a, a thing at enemies and hurts them. We used to have a, a boomerang. We called it the boomerang. It doesn't matter why. Um, and it's what you would expect. Like you throw it out and it would come back. And so it would hit enemies kind of on the way out and hit people on the way back. It had a couple iterations. At one point, it was like a javelin that you'd throw out and it would stick in an enemy. And then you could summon it back to you. Uh, and it was kind of my baby. Like I, I loved it so much uh, because it was the one I used. It was like my weapon of choice for whatever reason. All the different people on our team have, have different, different play styles. And so as you develop a game like this, that's fairly big. You know, like we don't have a massive arsenal of weapons and skills, but we have enough that it lets players play the game in hopefully different ways. And we could see that happening because we play it in different ways. So when the boomerang, the boomerang was a thing, I was the guy for that. That was my thing. Um, and everybody else didn't get it. Uh, they just, they didn't have fun with it. And I had fun with it. And my argument was, well, not every player needs to have fun with every weapon. Uh, people have different play styles, so let them pick the ones that are fun for them. And I just kind of fought against this for a while, but nobody else was into it. And eventually the, the kind of tide turned and it got cut uh, when there were still some problems with it. And man, I was actually mad. I was probably, this is the most angry I've been during production. I'm not really a person who jumps to anger. Um, in fact, I probably do it too little. Uh, but I was so mad. I was like, why, why are you taking this from me? It's fine. It's good. Like, let me fix it. I'll, I'll fix it. Uh, but I didn't really have time and, and, and I just couldn't do it. Uh, and in retrospect... With what the game has become, I understand the cut. I still think if, if the game were a different game or had gone in a different direction around that time, it just would have been different. Uh, the boomerang weapon was flashy. Uh, it was kind of showy uh, in a way that I guess I sort of like to play, but that maybe wasn't in line with the way that the drifter character is. And... Uh, in line with the design of the game in general, which is fairly minimalist. Uh, it's not super, like, over-elaborate. Everything's very, you know, you, you have a limited number of, of actions. There aren't, like, crazy super combos. Yeah, um, the boomerang, it was too flashy. It didn't make sense. Um, and it was too weird. It was too complex. There are too many other things happening on screen, multiple enemies, and your sword, and your gun, and your special weapon, and healing, like... For a lot of players, it would be overwhelming just to have this boomerang that's also coming back and and you're managing your position of where it's going to fly back to meet you. It was it was maybe too much. And for me as a developer, I had fun with it, but 
uh, it would not have fit in the suite of weapons that we ended up with. It would have not just been an outlier in itself, it would have forced the arsenal of weapons to change with it and to have more stuff that is weird like that. Uh, so, yeah, I got angry about that one. And I, <laughs> and I, ca I carried that baggage for a while. I still kind of do, but I get it. I get it. Alex and Casey and Bo and everybody, I get it. I love you guys. Um, let me do one more question. Uh, Jocelyn Kimchi asks, what are your super secret fave bits of random trivia? Uh, by and large, or almost entirely, we don't really talk about the story of the game, and it's been kind of a struggle to start watching streams and watching tweets and looking at the forums and to not comment on people trying to interpret the story of the game and things like that. So canonically, in terms of story, I, w I wouldn't say anything to this, but I'll say as a piece of trivia that I think is pretty harmless... Uh, everyone on the team, all the like uh, major contributors to Hyperlight Drifter are are NPCs in the game, uh, who you can who you can find. Um, I won't say who's who. I think I think it's pretty self-explanatory. If you if you follow each of us on the internet somehow, whether it be Twitter or whatever, if you go to like the website of our game, you can see the team and try to figure it out. Maybe you can figure out who I am. I don't know. Um, I could just tell you, but I don't know if anybody cares to, to figure it out. But surely somebody will at some point. So, boom, I'm, I'm dropping hot trivia. We're all in the game. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Sarah El Malay, my guest this week. Uh, Sarah is, as far as it relates to games, primarily a voiceover artist, a voiceover actor, uh, meaning that she does voices for games in a variety of, of, of ways. Um, her credits are many uh galaxy skulls of the shogun gravity ghost red shirt johan sebastian joust uh she was katie in gone home she's been in many of the wadget eye adventure games uh she w i would say she is prolific in the indie game space at least uh and has been doing some work in AAA as well sarah i met through indiecade uh in addition to doing voiceover work she also uh has done a great deal for the indiecade festival here in la um, which which showcases independent games uh, to organize it and to to wrangle people and to help make it happen. She's like extremely organized and extremely on top of things, and that's sort of Sarah. She is everything that you don't understand about actors and their role in video games or what their role can be and what many of their roles already are. Um, from uh, her actually like providing creative input and feedback to developers because she deeply understands and loves games um, to educating uh, developers and particularly in my observation indies on how to hire and work with actors and do it properly um, how to avoid pitfalls like uh, giving giving line reads just like a uh, common pitfall for an amateur director is to instead of sort of working with the actor on what their character is like and what the maybe the, the tone or mood of the character is, they'll just read the line for the actor and then expect the actor to read it back. Um, anyway, t tips like that that you, you learn from actors who will tell you, yeah, don't do that. That doesn't help us. That, that makes our life harder because it doesn't help us understand the character. You're just asking us to be parrots for you and repeat back what you say. Um, anyway, she does a lot of that work. Uh, and she, you know, judges and does production for festivals. She's kind of all over games uh, in a way that you may not think about when you think about actors. You may think about actors as, as people who come into a booth and they record some lines, and that's their that's the depth of their involvement with the project. Um, 
but you can really see in Sarah's understanding of the industry and her work uh, how deeply she is ingrained uh, in games and, and in indie games in LA. Uh, so without further ado, let's go to my conversation with Sarah El Male. You know, it really plays on radio. What? Dead air? Yeah. <laughs> Silence. Uh, what a good way to start. Um, cool. Yeah, thanks for talking to me and, and doing this. I mean, I feel like we're just, my hope is that we're just having a conversation like we always do. Yeah. Um, like we always do. Oh we're God. in the habit of having conversation. <laughs> no. Us. <laughs> it's so us to have a convo. <laughs> we would we would um man okay so like i guess what i this is this is fun for me because i get to find out like hmm. all the things that i assume about your life and all the ways that they're wrong ah, okay um and so i guess like the first thing that i would that i would start with is like i i know actors mm-hmm. on account of i also came from new york Mm-hmm. And then did LA, mm-hmm. and here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't quite know what your life is like. Like you are a like you are around glitch a good amount mm-hmm. when we wish can I have would be, you. Yeah, I wish I could do it. Slash can do should do mm. should just show up more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but like I don't know. Do you have regular days? Do you have like a schedule? Are you able to have a schedule, or is it very like shotgun? You never know what's going on and what's going to happen. Um. That's my life. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, it's, it's both regular and not. I mean, I tend to have, <laughs> sorry, I just pinched my nose. It's not really silly. Um, I, uh, I do tend to have a regular booth time at the agency, um, at my age, capital T, capital A <laughs> at my agency, um, which is different than my, so my day, first of all, my rhythms are completely different than in New York. Um, New York, I was doing a ton more recording from home. Um, and then when I did get auditions through my agents, um, I was much more often going to a casting director's office in the city. And so I'd be like bouncing around a couple different, if I, if I was lucky enough to have a busy day, I would be bouncing around from different casting director's offices in Manhattan. Um, but since moving here, mm. what's much more common, um, largely due to Los Angeles and the way that no one likes to drive, there's just, or just you're stuck in traffic and you can't fit in four different stops in the yeah. city in one day. Um, there's a lot more MP3 auditioning. Um, so I get, my agents will get MP3s and I'll either do them from home, but more often I like to come in and see people. Um, so I'll go into the agency, um, and they have, you know, two booths, um, there. And so I can get, you know, they have in-house booth directors. You said booth time. What, Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. Meaning like, they'll be like you, hi, hey, Sarah, you have like three or four auditions due tomorrow by Mm. end of day or whatever. Um, you can MP3 them or you can call us and come in. And so I'll be like, can I come in at 1130? And she'll be like, see you at 1140. And I'm like, no, I'm going to make it this time. <laughs> and then we fight. No, but um, yeah, so I'll, I'll just I tend to go in at around 1130 and then be in person at the agency to record in their booth okay. um, a couple takes on a bunch of auditions. And is, is that just to have like, is there an engineer then that's working mm-hmm. the boards? So you don't have to. Yeah. So it's like generally a director. Oh, there is a director. Mm hmm. Okay, cool. And that, mm-hmm. is that just like part of like, I don't, I also don't know how agencies work in terms of like what they do for you. I know that agencies like find you work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they, they're good. 
they also like have booths and they have like a director and stuff like an in-house there's i mean i I imagine there's no rules about it in 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 new york my uh my agency had one booth and one director full-time and they were not as stoked if you came i mean they didn't expect you to come in as much that was like if they got voice bank auditions which is it's like a database where that that everyone has their demo listed and people can post jobs there. Mm. And so often like a client will post or a producer will post a job and then it'll go to the agencies and then the agencies just send MP3s. Now okay. what that does is ca- is cut out a casting director in the middle. Does that make sense? Yes. Um and then other times casting directors will work those jobs and you go to to their offices. Um mm. but yeah, so for boi- voice bank jobs in New York, I would some usually send from home. Um whereas here at my agency, um they have two full-time booth directors. Um, so I can come in and record two or three takes at, at my agency in-house and then they send those. Is that the sort of thing where like with those booth directors, do you have like a working relationship with oh, the yeah. same people? Oh yeah. Oh, completely. I love it. I love, I mean, that's the, there's pros and cons to doing that. Um, uh, and self-direction is its own tricky skill, um, uh-huh. to develop, uh, for sure. Um, and which is, it's tough because when you're first starting out, that's more than likely what you're doing. And it's like, it takes so much, so much time to develop as an artist and to, as a, certainly as a director and to have a critical ear that's not hypercritical. So anyway, but yeah, so, so benefits of not being self-directed is having someone you don't obsess. You go in, you have a third, you know, mm. you know, an objective, um, perspective. Um, both of the ladies in, in the booth at my agency are awesome. One of whom I absolutely adore and trust a ton. And she's very, very actor oriented. Um, and it's just like kind of a pleasure and a joy to see her every day. And we're really, really comfortable and, um, and she's fantastic. Um, so we'll do like two or three takes, but it's been over the course of the year that I've been here that I like, she can tell when she can get more out of me. That's Mm. always the fear is you'll be like, you'll work with the director and they'll be like, okay, we got it. And and you're like, are you sure? Because you know me better, you know, if we can do better or not. And I feel like she really is aware of my strengths and weaknesses and what my potential is. So if she's like, I think you can do another. I'm like, all right, great. And then we will, you know. That's so cool that you have that for like auditions. Mm-hmm. Because everything I understand about how like actor life is portrayed is like mm. you bounce around auditions, you walk into an audition. Mm. It's like everything I, I've seen from like movies about <laughs> actors. Yeah. Uh, is it like you go and then they're all sitting there and you just do the thing and then they go, thank you. Yeah. And then you just leave. Yeah. And that's it. So that's super like, I mean, is that, that's probably unique to voice then. Yeah. Um, if I were going into a casting director's office for voiceover, they would still give me direction. They would, I mean, you would okay. do a pass and they would give you probably one round of direction. Um, and then if you can take it, they're, they're either happy with the second take or they feel like you didn't take the direction and can't take direction and they'll call it. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah. So, um, so you can't tell the difference. <laughs> You, you, yeah, I mean, kind of, they'll be like, thank you. And it's like, you either didn't take the direction and they're like, you're useless or, right, or you nailed it. Right. Or you're like, oh, great. That was it. We have it, you know. Mm. Um, but you also, you know, over time, the real trick with that stuff is to develop relationships with those people too. I mean, you want to go in for the same people that you know and who know you and who have a sense of what you can do and can, yeah. can find out when they're like, no, we think you can get closer even or whatever, um, to what we're looking for. Um, yeah, I guess there's something you know. like that's another impression I have is that there's something very competitive about then being an actor. And mm-hmm. that's for some reason to me that applies to everything. That's all, like, all very competitive, but it mm-hmm. makes sense that the working relationship with directors and with the people trying to cast is like, mm-hmm. they would love for you to be good. They want you to be good. Yeah. Totally. They want you to be good. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. There's no like there's, you know, in New York, especially you had kind of disinterested, like over it casting directors and you're like, yeah. all right, I'm going to come in with my sunshine <laughs> and cheer and um, 
but uh but yeah but yeah they want they want you to be awesome and they want you to be great so there's no i mean i don't really feel competitive usually not about even with other like actors there are some some jobs i really want and i care about and get jealous about or like if i know that someone else got it i'll be like ah dag but um but a those are good because you want to care about some things Mm. if you don't care about anything then you're like why am i doing this if no if no job matters to you then you're like you you should worry about being interested in your job yeah but um but that's also rare um so Mm. yeah i don't really i mean it's it's about it's just about fit and I don't I do believe that like I mean you have to you have to think of yourself as competent enough to be at a baseline of decent and then it's really just out of your hands in terms of your fit for the part and I, I completely buy into that you know that's that sounds like a much healthier view than they have in <laughs> smash yeah I mean I don't know like if I were in a ballet company I just watched back Black Swan and I hadn't been in ballet <laughs> mindset in a long time and I did ballet when I was younger and then even then I was competing with myself. I mean, I would, if I'm competing with anyone, it's with myself. It's being better than I, it's doing the best that I could do, huh. be doing better than the last take I gave doing, you know what I mean? But, um, but I suppose if there was some, you know, in a ballet company, you're like, I'm in this company, there's like a limited number of spots at the top. Like I need to kill her in order to, like, yeah. to be the, pre- you know, to whatever, to be a principal. Um, but that's not, I don't really feel that here. I mean, there's certainly, it's not like they're infinite jobs, but you know I, yeah i don't really wig out about it anymore. yeah so i wonder about that because like indie games is sort of the same mm. like still and i keep a, a, a part of me in the back of my head that like maybe it's the new yorker in me or something but like i keep waiting for the shoe to drop the, what is it the other shoe to yeah, drop shoe that's to an drop. expression yeah, shoe to drop. that for some reason especially like a few years ago um when no one was saying indie apocalypse not that that means anything right, right. but like that there was it was not a zero-sum gain that like everyone just wanted everyone to do well. Right. And I keep waiting for it to be like, oh, that's just because there's not, we haven't reached a boiling point of competition. And then there's going to mm-hmm. be like this difficult, these difficult points where like, it's just more direct, more direct competition. Like somebody's getting something you're not, but I don't see it. Like it keeps not happening. I mean, if there's, to my impre- my impression is that the competition isn't, it's just, it's just for people's attention. It's just for marketing kind of, it's just mm. for penetrating to people's sure. awareness. Right. But like. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess in some a sense of like people only have time for so many games to play in their year. Yeah. And so timing matters. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, so much of whatever healthy attitude I have about being an actor is because I have to. Like, I don't really have too much. Yeah. In it. You know what I no, mean? No, and I don't mean to strangle that to death until no, it gets negative. You, you can't because I would just die on your couch and then you'd have a mess. But like, uh. I, you know, I. Yeah, like I, you know, there's a lot of mental backflips and gymnastics you have to do to stay sane. But like when you realize there's no other, there's no looking at the, you know, there's no embracing or allowing the dark side of it, the, you know, to control or you'll just stop. Well, but I mean, so I guess what I'm looking for then is like, help me. (laughs) (laughs) Because because like, I I keep like, your business has been around longer than my business okay. in a manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. And, and so if I'm waiting for it to get weird or get competitive, yeah. like it seems as a, if you're saying that it doesn't feel that way to you, mm. that there is a way for it, for a, a path for indie games or video games to go where yeah. it's not going to do that. That's not going to happen. And I can't tell from what you're saying, if that's just like, if it's a mindset or if for some reason there's a balance where like the people who are really being considered for these jobs, like there's sort of like the right amount of people, like the supply and demand is in balance or something, you know? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, hmm. I don't know that I can formulate any of this into advice or like reassurance. That, okay. <laughs> but, Cause I mean, I, I've gone through, you know, I have been through that phase of being the one voice actor that everybody or that indies know yeah. and doing a, bun- a bunch of indies and being really lucky. I think I th- like to think that I'm versatile enough to have been a good fit for the jobs that I've had in indies. Right. Mm. But I did, but I think a lot of it just happened to be like, we know you. Oh, thank God you're fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and then, but then moving here and being like, everyone here is operating at the highest level of whatever, and you are going to get cast if you're the right fit. Mm. Um, and so that's a different, you know, I work less frequently or like the jobs are smaller and that's starting to shift, but it's like, you know, I have, I have to be known in a different way, in a new way. And the standards of what, you know, it is more competitive in the sense of like, it's no longer fine for me to just be okay at my job. That's mm. not enough. It's just really not. Everyone's good at their job. Everyone's great at their job. So there is a shift there. So you're attributing um, yeah. that, is is that to the difference between New York and LA for you as it pertains to games yeah. or, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, and well, there's no games in New York. I mean, there's no games casting in New York. There's Rockstar and that's yeah. kind of it. So, um, so I was doing all, you know, indies with, with people that I knew and, and loved, um, in my home studio and mm-hmm. that was just through my own personal networking. And then there's like, and every kind of indie job feels like it's this weird, um, or, or operates as this outlier kind of in the space where they're like, we found a contractor who can do the thing. It's not like part of the the, the entrenched VO pipeline, casting sure. pipeline, right? Oh, the yeah. community. So then coming here, which is where like people are casting games all the time, there's like a community that the talent pool that they're drawing from, a way that they do it, who they talk to, agencies they go through. So that's a huge difference. Well, like, day. man, yeah. I want to talk more about New York because I came from New York, but that that's funny. That, like, that makes it sound like indie casting is like when they're looking for a doctor on the airplane. Just like, does <laughs> yeah. anyone know an actor? Yes, just, yes. I'm told I'm not supposed <laughs> to use my friends, oh just my like God. regular friends. Yeah. Like my brother acted in high school, so I don't want to discredit because I mean there are games that I've worked on that have had you know proper casting or mm. I don't know how do I I'm worried now, but I mean yeah, like and some people and I've heard of other games that really go about it that like do their homework or do research and find a casting or or you know hire a casting director or hire a voice director or they come to me and I've helped cast yeah you know with from my the people i know um but yes i think a lot of the time indies struggle to know um where to find actors and how to work with them and what they're paid and all of just everything's kind of a question mark so yeah i think that's like one of the things from my perspective because i've talked to you about this before Mm because i'm on the like other side of that i'm doing air quotes this is radio (laughs) so i have to say air quotes air quotes open air quote on the radio, close quote, air quote. Mm-hmm. What's Killing the it. phrase? What's what are we? Where do we? <laughs> where was bracketing? I going? Yeah. Um, that things like uh, the drying up of uh, last generation's console money, which I mm. experienced, um, things like Kickstarter or, or like iOS driving prices down to the bottom, mm. things like um, people, developers, and uh, the audience not knowing how much things cost to make. And kickstarting things for the wrong amount of money yeah um made all the budgets really irresponsible mm. still mm. and so the one of the nice things about making indie games or one of the like anyone can make a game uh, affordances is that you just need a computer and hopefully like it's a computer you already have <laughs> and yourself and mm. your skills or friends right there's not a lot of like you don't need special equipment mm-hmm. you don't need whatever mm. and so 
so many indie projects like are just unfunded mm. or self-funded because mm. unfunded is a lie. Like if an indie right. project is, I'm, I'm, I promise I'm not going to rant about this, but if an, no, indie fund, if an indie project is not funded, then it is being funded mm-hmm. by the people who are making it because you're yeah. paying with your time, Yep, which is important. Yep. Bring that back around to you. Your sure. time is also important. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And like, I think that's just one of those things that people think of last, mm. uh, or at least people who are getting, starting to get into it, think of last. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we need programming and art. We need a prototype and we have to sell it. And then like, when do we do VO? And like, how does mm-hmm. that work? And it's, it's, it ends up being one of these things, especially also because like, chances are your voice, your, your lead actor is not like a full-time part of the team, mm-hmm. unless you're super giant. You're right. Um, that's the only example I know of. Is it? Yeah, of a, of an in-house like a resident voice yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah. So Logan, he's super cool. He's great, and I and I cast him in a bunch of what? Well, I did technically cast. I take, take him it, in. Take it. I looped him into a bunch of other uh, non supergiant projects. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, I guess I'm saying like I think I hope that's changing for that people for have actors. an awareness of just from their own experience of, of their yeah like you're saying that indie games don't have don't go through the same process and pipelines mm, yeah and you could arguably say that it would be better if they did or at least it would be more straightforward if they did i don't know I, my, my my main because i it's i i do not feel comfortable telling people what they sh- especially when it comes to payment right like what they should be paying but like if you but there is and i mean the world of there's a lot of misinformation about voiceover um, out there, hmm. but yeah, but if people were aware of what those pipelines were, they could maybe pick and choose or make informed decisions about like, am I going with union talent? Am I not? How, how am I going to find that talent? Like, where do I find them? Um, what is some of the range of, of payment options here? Just so that like the, that they can then tailor something that makes sense for them, but it's not like a wild stab or they just are completely without hmm. a place to start or anything like that. I mean, yeah, I would encourage people to, if it's, I say like, go do your research, but it is also kind of hard. Um, to do but i mean but voice bank's a great example is that a is that a website well yeah voicebank.net is a website that has all of the um demos for anyone who is represented by an agent oh. um so and that's union and non um but yeah you can go on there and like like i would go on there and just like listen to my favorite voiceover like as a fan like and just be like oh, oh really? so wacky i can listen to the demo of like anyone i love yeah um but that's a great way to survey and be like here's what the best here's what competitive voiceover sounds like here's who that is Huh. And then you, if you want to go through their agents or try, you know, if you're open to, you know, it'll say who's union and non, but, um, yeah, you can, that's a great place to find people. Hmm. Um, and then other people use voice one, two, three. Um, I've used that. Yeah. Voice one, two, three for, for mostly non-union stuff. Um, but those people are also likely to have home studios and things. And, hmm. um, I know of other games that have used voice one, two, one, two, three and yeah, that's a way to go hmm. for sure. Do you, I'm just thinking more about all the other actors out there who do you mm. like so i know that you hang out with me i do hang out when with you, you when you do that i'm there too yeah you so are. i see it you and now you hang out at glitch which is like a lot of uh, glitch city which is a lot of game developers yeah you're just like who are your friends sarah who are you friends with well yeah, i was going <laughs> i was going to be more tactful okay sorry uh, go ahead be tactful who are you friends with no um <laughs> well like you were talking about like for example the the booth directors and the people at your agency and stuff mm-hmm. and i was i was going to assume you don't the, that's not also your social group um but i don't um, know like how much of your social group is composed of all i know is the developer part so fill in the holes for me uh of my social group fill in the holes of my social group or groups <laughs> groups um i'm still in a that's what she said mode from the top of the podcast um <laughs> Uh, who else is in my social groups? Yeah. I mean, a, a couple of voice actors. I mean, honestly, I'm f- still right now friends with more developers than 
actors mm. and VO director type folks. Um, and that's sort of the big shift coming here is both professionally and socially becoming part of that community. Mm. Um, although, I mean, yeah, just today was my first session with a group of people and peers and people I admire, but that would be like the group set. Here's the thing about voiceovers, like group sessions are so rare that like you don't meet other voice actors because you're usually recording by yourself at, at different times. And then they just yeah. add it up together. Yep. You don't have a scene partner usually. Yeah. Um, which is different than for animation. For animation, usually I was going to ask group that. Records, yeah, I mean it's more common anyway. Yeah. Is that a state of the art sort of thing where it's like games aren't there yet, or is there a reason that you've experienced why <laughs> why they don't? Yeah. Uh, I think I suspect that a lot of it has to do with scheduling and non-linear scripts, or just yeah. um, you know the workload. Uh, that's my guess is that it just makes it's easier to get people for for just their bits than to try and go into, especially if a, if a dialogue branches or something complicated like that. Um, does that change like yeah. the, I'm, I'm going in like nine different tangents because we had so much coffee before we started. Mm -hmm. Does that change like how you do the performance? Because it, yeah. it's like, I mean, it must, right? Yeah. That, that the script is nonlinear. Because if you're a character oh. who's responding to like seven different things, like mm -hmm. you couldn't play off them if you wanted to necessarily. Um, I, I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, the way you'd experience them as a gamer where you, st I mean, or the, I'm sure that my experience as a gamer allows me to pick up those beats so yeah. like just today we had a conversation where it was like what do you do and he was like i'm a this and then and he was like okay do two of the other one and he's like i'm a this i'm a that i'm a this mm. and then we picked up into the rest of the conversation where i'm like great so you're whatever that's yeah. covered and then like and then the rest <laughs> of the conversation um yeah so you do um yeah it, it completely changes how you how you respond, mm -hmm. but it, but it's, but you get practiced in, in knowing what those beats are and what's a neutral point for, um, where the, where the branch comes back, you know what I mean? Mm. Where the branches reconnect and then the scene moves on. Um, and I haven't done too many conversations. I'm trying to think, cause I've done a lot of, I've done a handful of adventure games where things get kind of woolly and emotional, emotionally divergent. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, having someone else there, basically just to sort of answer your question like you you're re i guess you're reacting like twice because you're reacting to yourself uh because you have to react to something so you're reacting to yourself in your head if that were a linear conversation that's what you'd be doing and then for branching conversations you're reacting to yourself twice or five times over <laughs> how are how are games doing when it comes to getting direction um when you'd compare it to like other work you've done like because the the few times I've actually like gotten to the point of a production where we're doing voiceover stuff, it's like I've been put in a position where it's like, cool, time to time to direct. And I've done yeah. directing. I did my film school time, but yeah. like, um, that's not my full time thing, right? And so sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm like resetting on my imposter syndrome where I come back in. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, ha time to do this. Yeah. Um. Like, do you do you find yourself having to self direct more when you're doing game work, or is the is it pretty up to par when it comes to like there is a director who is guiding you through that in a way that you you would have had in whatever theater or any other experiences? It's been a mix across the board. I mean, um, some of the, uh, some things I've recorded from home, just self-directed and I'll send like three takes on each thing, just and give them, give like a spread of what I think will be coverage. Mm. Um, I've had live direction for the, for the indie games. I think I was directed in person by just Dave Gilbert, really. Um, mm. And then other times I would have people patch in over Skype. 
And then that would be a designer, usually not, not usually a dedicated voice director. Um, and then for the AAA stuff I've done, it's been a voice director, um, a dedicated voice director for sure. What did you do with Dave Gilbert? Which, which games? Oh God. Um, well, Gemini Rue, Resonance, Primordia, Blackwell, Epiphany, Blackwell Deception. Um, am I forgetting something? Golden Wake. A bunch of stuff. God, he's made a lot of games. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most of them. I want, I want to say most <laughs> of them. I want to say I've done most of them, but that's probably a lie. You're you're well known at the at the studio. <laughs> yeah, well, he's I, a sweetie. I, that was like my first... I did one game before I worked on Gen- Gemini Rue, and it was like this little flash game for like Newgrounds. What was it called? No. The answer is no. Oh. The answer is no. I, I'll tell you this. Okay. Most okay. people couldn't start the game because you had to hit a light. It was the, it started dark, and you had to hit a, a light switch, and you couldn't see where the light switch was. Oh, so it was Nouveau. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a zombie game. Just like, cool, God, let's get some light in here. And you're like, that would be great if I can see. <laughs> like, I, can't, I don't know how to find this light switch. <laughs> so I think a lot of people got stuck there. <laughs> game design. Yeah. Game design. Yeah. How do we sound, by the way? You have the headphones. I do. I can't tell if I'm peaking anymore. I'm so involved in our conversation. That's good. I'm falling down on the job. Do you want to trade? Why don't we trade? And then you, you can, yeah. Trade microphones? Yeah, no, trade trade cans. And you can listen and then, you know what I mean? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, so you all can't see this, but I uh, I have my microphone. That's like the one I, that's my cozy microphone and that I use and that other people don't get to use. But Sarah gets my special mic because Sarah's the professional. So Teddy's just going to make sure that I'm using it to full capacity or potential. Yeah, that you're not neglecting that my I'm, mic. Right, that taking I'm it for really granted. taking the privilege and running with it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, we said we sure sound like we're voices. <laughs> is this what? Is this like? Are we doing what your job is like now? Uh, wait. Which how do you? Part? How do you? Give me like words to describe the the flavor of voice. You know, like. <laughs> Do you have like words? Or, you take this back. I can't. You can't. Myself. Can't I can't. <laughs> like, do you have like a vocabulary for for voice? You know, sure. like outside of outside of acting direction, which is like you talk about you talk about emotion or or, or what yeah. have you. Like, are there like different words for quality? Sure. Or, totally. Give me give me the words. Um. Well, technically, this is a technical term. You could say fry, right? You know what fry is? Glottal fry. Mm-hmm. That's um, like when it's, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, but it's, it's like, like if you, if you have it on your throat and then you can sort of hear. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's, okay. yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, I, someone today, I hope it's not like a trade secret. <laughs> they were say like what they're, they were like toast. And I was like, okay. Uh-huh. And I think they were just getting it fry. They were like more toast. I was like, okay. Oh, they just call it toast. Because they just, they wanted like, or they actually, they sort of wanted more breathy something. They wanted more breath over the chords or something okay um there but i mean it just gets really abstract right there's yeah. no like there's no set there's no codified okay. non-silly words so it's like games there's only silly words like games yeah. we say like juicy or yeah. crunchy oh, totally. or feel or like sticky yeah completely you could uh, you could easily be like crunchy creamy what else like it's basically your peanut butter words i don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh choosy moms choose <laughs> game design yeah uh we use a lot of onomatopoeia mm-hmm. uh, and hyperlight, mm-hmm. which I think uh, Casey Hunt started, but he would like um, just like very without shame go elaborately into like how he wants something to feel with Love mouse sounds to the it. point where like you first hear it and you're just like, 
you know, like the part of me that's like, this is silly. I can't deal with it. <laughs> but then I'm like, I get it. I get it. You know, yeah. it's just like, oh, you know, and like hand gestures. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I just want the attack to feel like, you know, ooh, da, fuh, like, you know, and you're like, oh, <laughs> cool. Like, I think I get it. Yeah. Um, totally. People do. And I know people who love to direct in person for that reason. So, And, and not only that, but have like, have a nice glass. Hmm. Um <clears throat> Uh, like barrier between you so they can see so you can see their gestures and when they're just trying to like get at something with their mm-hmm. face or with their you know or just with a nonsense syllable or or their gestures like or they're trying to like give body to it or like trying to you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um that like it for that reason uh to direct in person for that but yeah it gets totally abstract and silly and then your job is to go with it and you're like i know what that i know what purple means i know what a purple take is it's, <laughs> it's- it's, I think it's healthy to remind myself as a game developer because um, we always talk about like, oh, you, you came from New York, so you know mm. all about formalism. Sure. But like, yeah. but or, or even the formalism Takes aside, like back. terminology and like trying to develop a language. And there's a lot of talk of like, well, we just don't have our language yet. Like film has all these terms and it's so clear and like, uh, we're just not there yet. And then there's people where it's like, well, no, don't codify it because then like right. it, it bogs us down or whatever. But it's like, cool, it doesn't get any... It doesn't get any better. It's like a, a profession that's been around much longer. It's like, Not we're just going to keep saying sticky. Yeah, just keep saying. I mean, like you have, if someone, there's there's some some of it's codified. So if someone, and this I've gotten on one, exactly one game audition. And I was mm. so excited. And I was like, oh my God, we're doing acting now. <laughs> that's so <laughs> terrible. But they were like, so given circumstances, like, come on, like, what are we doing? So what's your objective here? And I was like, oh, you want to know my objective? Oh my God. And I'm just kind of like really excited. And I was like, yes, let's find a good one. Um, so things like that, terms like that, that are more process oriented, those are standardized. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a relief for you to hear. Cause that gives you something to work with that, that isn't just a raw emotion. Right. Yeah. Which is like, generally speaking, like not great direction Telling to give. People, I have been right. taught. Yeah. You're yeah. like, cause it's just, it's super, I mean, your job as an actor and a, I think in voiceover, especially you get really comfortable with very technical, very aesthetic, very super, very outside in, or mm. they're like, I'm just looking for this aesthetic or I'm just looking, yeah, like, yeah. there's a lot of line reads and they're like, I'm just looking for this inflection. Cause that's the meaning we need to hit. And you're like, mm. all right, whatever. Sure. The best um, you can kind of do that off the shelf, but it's not going to be as Yeah. But if rich. you're talking really working a scene, yeah. um, then you're looking for more structural, um, organic stuff that isn't superficial and then whatever comes out, you know, the idea being that your emotion that comes out of this organic sense of trying to do something to someone mm. is much more natural than being like, I'm going to focus on feeling sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That reminds me, this is the worst comparison I could make uh, from what I know of people who've done this. That's like how you parent properly <laughs> 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 when dealing with children. Oh my God. Is that you don't tell them you like... You can't just be like, be happy. <laughs> well, you don't tell them like, you don't tell them don't do that. Okay. Because that doesn't mean anything. They don't understand why. Why should right, I do that? Right. You say like, well, this is like, this is your motivation for not doing it. This That's is your funny. objective for not doing it. Make this other, it makes that other person feel bad when you punch them in the face. Like, right. maybe you shouldn't do that. Interesting. Yeah. So you understand consequences. We give them consequences. Yeah. That's funny. Speaking of children. Oh, God. What? We should drink. <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right. If we hit that time with the podcast. And just nail that segue. <laughs> of children booze the professional death. radio is all about segues and smooth <laughs> oh my God. smooth transitions yeah uh, you're listening to teddy and sarah on the radio <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsor we'll be right back bye
That's kind of like I feel like why I work so much at home mm. is because if I don't work, everything just tries to suck me into sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like my bed is really comfortable, my couch is really comfortable, so yeah. I have to be like standing or at my desk. Yeah, I have two modes, and one is very on and one is very off. I never, I never talk into a microphone from this, from anywhere near this comfortable position ever. How come that? Why not? Why not at home? For that, for that reason, because yeah, like mm. I mean, I need to. Um, I find that I need the energy and the attentiveness to stand of standing or just using my posture or using my body, especially if it's really physical um, from a standing position. Some people for audiobooks, I sit. I mean, I've only ever done one, but I sat because uh-huh. it's just really long hours. But um, everything else I stand for. But there are some OG folks who like to sit. I think no one likes to sit. Oh, really? Yeah, I think. Like but, during yeah. sessions? Mm-hmm. Huh. I could be wrong. Please forgive me if I'm spreading horrible misinformation, but I think that's true. Is that to like get all chill it's just kind of like let me level with you <laughs> well yeah there's probably my assumption is usually just like if i can stay energized i would rather be sitting mm. and i don't find that to be true of me like i need to stand to mm. get in gear but um but it's possible that some people use it to settle in or to or to be intimate i don't know that that could be that's reasonable sounds reasonable to me yeah i've never done that with singing yeah i mean right for the same reason as singing you're like i want to draw draw up the fullness of my breath and my yeah. you know person to yeah. to do this. I so. want to be animated. Yeah. But that's usually because like yeah, you being chill doesn't doesn't translate into like interesting. I'm not as engaged. Perhaps? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. mean, I can't like, certainly right now like I can't recruit I do tend to recruit my body for shit. Mm. Excuse, well, I guess we're doing that, right? We're cursing. Yeah. Um that yeah, like I'll recruit my arms or my hands or whatever to do I I was mm. not, I was almost knocked over the stand today. Um, <laughs> to do stuff. And so, I mean, obviously I can't do that. There's very little that I could record right, except for this podcast right now from the position I'm in. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even record a commercial like this unless it was like, I sometimes I'm forced to do that when I travel because I'll bring a travel mic and usually like I, I have this little square boothy foamy thing. That's like a little square of foam that I can put the microphone in, um, to dampen noise for sound insulation, right? You yeah. have like a portable studio. Exactly. Um, but I don't find that it works amazingly well. It's not my favorite thing. And especially for um, for games or anything projected, like I'm going to get bounce off the walls yeah. all around it at a certain level. But um, but gen- so generally I'll just build a pillow fort or a, little, a, a pillow triangle and like <sighs> lean over it, squat over it or like whatever, <laughs> lie over it um, uh-huh. to get to to get rid of room, room noise. So that's the only time that I try to make do with that. But it's by far from far from ideal. Does that is that nice? to uh because what, what you're saying is like there's certain conditions where you can do your work and where you can't mm. right mm-hmm. like you are like i love when you come into glitch but you're never doing voiceover recording at glitch no. you just mm-hmm. can't no so it's not like you don't have the syndrome that i have which is like wherever i am i could be working if i had a laptop like if i were at a party mm. or uh, at a coffee shop or whatever like i could be working on a video game not to say you can't do things because I've you know you'll do email or whatever. Well, no, I mean yes and no. Like there's I've done um I've done auditions in the car a ton. I did I was doing auditions in the car all the way driving across the country. Oh yeah, on my phone. Um, and I would like pull off into a gas station and throw a coat over my head and hope that no one thought that was weird or like enticing <laughs> in some way. <laughs> like like I looked vulnerable. Like they could break into my car. Um, but yeah, I would throw a, a, a you know a coat over my head and do it into my phone. So I mean, <laughs> the. The answer is like there's definitely preferences you have and mm. conditions that are conducive to voiceover, and those are different for people based on their preferences. But like, but I have done and tried to make do, and it's 
it's kind of your job to make do with whatever you can. You're not immune to yeah. the cloud of work that fo- the no. cloud of productivity that follows you. Voiceover more so than other kinds of acting because you can just record on your phone from anywhere. Like mm. me begging off a can on camera audition is like I'm traveling. I can't show up to your casting office. <laughs> like yeah, yeah or yeah. whatever, right? Um, but if they're like you're traveling and you're like you have a mic, right? And you're like. And you're like, it's my phone. They're like, you have your phone, right? You have your phone. I'm on like, your phone with you right now. I can I'm hear your, your voice. Exactly. Send this voice to me by email. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you that you, it's not very escapable. <laughs> no. I'm bringing my phone with me or my microphone to GDC with me next week as always. Oh yeah. I guess mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Why not? Huh. Um, hey, do you want to talk about video games? Sure. What do you want to talk about when we talk about video games? What do we talk about when we talk about video games? I want to talk about how working in and around them has affected your relationship with them as a player. Yeah. Okay. Um, for me, and at least for a lot of people that I talk to, it's one of those things where once you start working in a medium, like your brain is activated and then it's hard to deactivate it. You know, like all my music studies mean that I can't listen to certain types of music when I work because my brain turns on and my brain starts analyzing and tearing apart and like it just doesn't work. So mm-hmm. I can't program and listen to anything with lyrics in it, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm just, I'm just going to tell you mine and then you can tell me yours. Sure. <laughs> like, my relationship with games is like, it's, it's healthy. We're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a long, long-term relationship. You're in it for the long games. haul. Yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. I don't think I'm going to quit games anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, but playing them is, uh, I don't know. I, it, it actually doesn't like, I don't have that with games. I can play a game and enjoy it. Because mm-hmm. um, your brain needs to be activated anyway, I guess, in a certain way. Right. Uh, and you're thinking critically anyway. Mm-hmm. But the thought of playing games has an element of like, I should be playing these. Yep. Like, yo, you need to finish that game because everyone's played it. Because you're going to need to have an opinion about it. Yeah, sure. Or it would benefit me to have an opinion about sure. it, or to be informed by the state of the art and stuff. Totally. Um, but you seem like you play games. Yeah, you're like a pro Dragon Age player. <laughs> I don't. Th- <laughs> <laughs> Refute my claim. Oh well. Uh, can I refute your claim? I'm not. Well, I mean, no one pays me to play Dragon Age. So oh, okay. Refuted. Sorry. <laughs> not literally yes and i mean i'm not i'm not convinced that i'm like actually that if i sat down and anyone why am i taking this seriously why am i entertaining this, <laughs> go, this, go, this go. assertion at all <laughs> um okay so question is my relationship to games after working in them and or during yeah. working in them because there was a time where you weren't working in games yeah yeah and that you weren't necessarily playing them were you was there a time where you were doing acting work and not even considering working in games Probably not, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, if I... Because I played games as long as I can remember. I took a... Probably had a bit of a break. I'm not sure how long. During some of college, maybe. Mm. When I wasn't really a PC... Because I was a PC gamer through... From little to high school... Through high school. And then uh, and then I got a console late into... Um, my my boyfriend at the time had a console, so that was some of the console gaming in high school. And then, but okay. then I, I didn't get like my own Xbox until like kind of late college. That's okay. the only kind of gap. So I was playing games, and I remember in high school playing Knights of the Old Republic and being like, "Someone's doing this job," oh. and being like, "I was like, someone has this job. Someone's having fun doing this job for a living." And so like that already then I had like kind of an idea. 
Um, I think it took me a while to take it seriously as a career. I think it was after I graduated college, mm-hmm. but not too long after. I mean, I, I did radio dramas in college and that one was when I was like, oh my God, voices, yeah. just voices. Ah, heaven. Um, and then so, but after college, I almost immediately started focusing on game voiceover. Huh. So, yeah. That's that's like the opposite of me where not only did I not think about it um, all the way through college, although I was making games in college, but I didn't really think about it as a career. But no. also I grew up in Bethesda. Whoa. <laughs> home of Bethesda software, yeah. or at the time, I think at its Famous founding, for. it's it's not in Bethesda anymore, but like right. for Skyrim and Oblivion yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, I probably drove by the office all the time. Yeah. Uh, and never in my life thought like, oh, people like, whoever makes video games, they're off somewhere they're in, in some there, magical working land. Working hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, now I make video games. Yeah. Um. Huh. Okay, so that so you didn't really have like a change where like video games were one thing to you, and then suddenly they became well. I mean, then you started well, making it a career, right? Yeah, I mean, there's but there's a difference before it when you're envisioning yourself in this space or thinking mm. about it or just imagining the lives and the the work, the practice, the processes of people who are who you admire in it, and then being in it and having it be your job. Um, uh, I mean, I think the real honestly, I think the real switch has less to do with like the critical mind of an actor or a proto actor assessing acting in games from an early age to being part of a, 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 a professional community and, and a games conversation mm. and a way of thinking about games um, and a formal analysis of games and, and an ability to discuss games on that level. Mm. Um, that sounds more like more of the switch that you're the gear shift that you're describing to me where you're like, I better play this game because it's part of what we're all absorbing as like. Yeah you know, as, as the zeitgeist and culture we need to talk about it. Yeah. Like, I mean that that's, that's new, that's different. That, but, but that's a shift I think of like actually, um, before my imagining being part of the community, that was when I joined it, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I feel like there's that awakening of like, I want more for this. Mm, yeah. And so I remember like I started getting that when I was like at a job I didn't like that was not in games and began like reading Kotaku avidly, yeah. like living in the, the dialogue of like, yeah, it was my first living in the dialogue of video games. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> because when I, well, no, like honestly, like I, 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 I entered this particular topic of conversation being like thinking like, let's talk about how video games are ruined for us. Uh, but I, but that's not true. Um, no, it's not true. I mean, I think that there is, um, there's something about hobbies that are really private or that things that don't have that kind of cultural capital to them in whatever sphere you're in that makes them kind of special. Like, it's weird. Like, I grew up loving reading hmm. and then school kind of both introduced me to ways of reading that were much more interesting and also books that were much more interesting but made it work. Yeah. No longer play. Yeah. And so it took me a very long, like even still my like reading for fun is just kind of coming back. But I can already tell that like just the fact that reading is something I don't talk to anybody about. It makes it kind of like a special Mm. secret nourishing thing in a way that I think games maybe were at one time and is like I'm I'm aware of it being more like a public. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like I still have deep, meaningful, personal relationships with games. And there are times when like I'm not aware of that at all. But oftentimes I'm like. I'm excited about this game because people are talking about it. I'm playing about it and thinking about what I'm going to say about yeah. it and like thinking, wondering what other people think about it and whatever. Um, and there is something special about reading being like, I'm probably not going to talk to anyone about this. Yeah. Or like, you know, whatever. Well, there's also like a, there is a, you know, always a strong message amongst people who, who 
make games or are involved in games of like get away from games yeah like get influences from elsewhere get inspired yeah, just from elsewhere. as far as inspiration yeah yeah and so the like a side um symptom of that mm. is that when you, when i play games and i'm like oh, i want to be a part of the dialogue like yeah. i just feel like i'm keeping up yep like i finally bought a ps4 mm. because bloodborne was coming out mm. and everybody was like talking about bloodborne and playing it and it was the most uh, zeitgeist is the wrong word but it was the most just like everyone's doing this at once there's this right. big conversation happening yeah. i need to be a part of this yeah but that doesn't even necessarily feel like like i don't feel unique in that i just feel like i'm playing the game like yeah. i need to be uh oh, oh, i meant playing the game in a different way but you know what i mean <laughs> um just doing what i have to do mm-hmm. and what you're talking about sounds to me more like well like if i read a book mm. like chances are not everyone in my vicinity has also read this book mm-hmm. which means i'm like putting something into me that makes yeah. me like special or that makes like gives me a perspective that yeah i don't know there's there's games conversation as public performance is is kind of what i mean um you mean that in a cynical way or do you mean like both ways mm. i mean like i am you know i i love it i was thrilled to discover the conversation that is actually i mean like i because my i wasn't reading kotaku i was reading like literally like GameSpot for reviews and like penny arcade and that was the entire and then i like went to pax and like met rich lamarchand and like was like oh my god there's this whole other conversation (laughs) happening and i was like my mind was blown and it was thrilling it's amazing Mm. and it still is it's still like why i stay interested in the space so i don't mean it cynically that way yeah um but there's like but yeah there's that pressure from underneath you or from around you or from outside you of like my timing matters because this is what's going to be discussed right now um and there's something yeah, there's just something weird or like private or nice or just different about having something that you just do where no one's going to kind of hold you accountable for what you think about it or, mm. you know, it's not it's just at your own pace and your own for your own benefit and I think you think you perceive things differently for better and worse when you're just discovering something for yourself and getting something out of it versus like I need to have a take. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Do you think about your work in games, um, does the topic of inspiration come up to you a lot? Hmm. Does the topic of inspiration in terms of my work in games yeah. come up from other people? Or well, like just as we're talking as about as we're talking about what you consume, mm-hmm. I think like I was just kind of exp- uh, revealing that about how I think that like mm. I feel more encouraged when I'm consuming something that's unique because it's like inspiring me in a, in a way that's gonna maybe produce something that's different because only I am consuming it or uniquely I'm, you know, like the fact that I like old Stan Freeberg radio dramas from like the forties or whatever, like that's something that is in me, you know? And I don't know. I'm just curious about, about your craft Mm. and whether there is an, an angle from which you approach that, that it's like, what are my influences and inspirations? And that's something that you continue to cultivate or does it become much more singularly about your craft, your voice, like, your skill? Well, I no. I mean, I think a lot about values. Like what are my values as a performer and as a, as a, con, not consumer, but connoisseur or, or someone who, you know, absorbs things and is mm-hmm. affected by them. I mean, I, I think figuring out what you care about and what you think is important and what you think is more important than something else is something that you cultivate no matter what you're doing. Um, over a lifetime. Um, mm-hmm. No one brings it up usually. No one's like checking in. She's like, "What's your inspiration for this part?" Because they're just like, "Be a woman on the sidewalk for five seconds, <laughs> um, or whatever." So it's, just, it's not like a discussion that I get to have with most people. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I have you know, having worked 
with Jennifer Hale and watch Jennifer Hale, she is inspiring in terms of the values that she has and the ways that she's challenged me in the classes we've done together. Um, so she's an inspiration um, as a person and as, an, as a practitioner. Yeah. Um, but I think... I mean, the biggest, I, I, the only thing that's really top of mind is, isn't really in games, but, um, but you know, this is so trite because I didn't think she was going to win. I thought her performance was too cool to win an Oscar, but Brie Larson totally won an Oscar. And I was like, oh, dang, that's awesome. What did she win for? I'm completely for out of the, oh, okay. Um, and I really thought that it was too cool and too close to my values as a performance to like attract us to be Oscar bait. Like, I just thought it wasn't prestige uh. and like vain and like show offy enough to like kind of get yeah, it, but it yeah. totally did. And that was really thrilling and exciting and like affirming actually for me as an actor. Cause I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. Like, that's the kind of acting I care about. And, and it's being appreciated. Be. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that was really validating. I was like, interesting. Um, so my, so what I love about that performance is that it's just so, um, it's deliberate and it's, it's, uh, and it's researched, but it's not overly controlled. Hmm. It's not, um, it's not asking for anything from you in terms of like sympathy or attention. Like it's, you know, there's some performances that are just like wanting something from you as an audience member. Like if it's just like love me or be impressed by me or hate me or whatever. And yeah. she's just so committed to the, um, the sort of like the stakes of what she needs to do. Um, it's just, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to get um, the wine is enough to throw me completely no, out. No, I mean, I well let me, let's, let's keep, I want to keep going into this though, because it's like, it's in, it's in something that I don't understand or that I don't get to mm. think about, which is like, yeah, what, what, what is a, what is the focus of her performers? Yeah. What is the value there? Yeah. Like, what do you aspire to bring to a performance or to a character that like, there's you ethos. feel like is rich work. Yeah, there is. She has an ethos in, in her approach to that character and to the way that she honored the experience of people who've gone through that while making it her own. Um, that I think was just so staggering. It just doesn't. It just doesn't care about what with, without being indifferent or hostile. It just doesn't. It's just not like ingratiating itself to you. So it's just not um, playing to the audience. It's no, like playing it's, in front of the but, audience, but, and yet inviting you in. You know, mm-hmm. she's not like begging for your attention or your or your sympathy or um it's not show offy she's yeah. doing but it's not like she's holding you at arm's length either it's she's just it's just beautiful it's so beautiful and so that that what i see in that performance is someone who is testing her work constantly against a truth and an authenticity against her sort of her own metric and trusting that that's enough to bring people with her hmm. um that i think is just really powerful and so that's I do that. I I want that for my game voice acting is to, mm. is to really hold myself accountable to a kind of humanity that is, whether it's stylized or not, it's deeply authentic and checking it against human, the human, you know, like, tenor, yeah, well, you know? it seems like that would be, have more power to connect with people and to mm-hmm. like bring them away from experience feeling like affected when maybe they were, weren't even expecting to be. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, maybe that's another thing with games. <sighs> maybe this is less true with, with, I hope it's less true with mm. with the modern state of games and the suite of games that are out there. But like, there are movies that you go into and you know, especially if you live in LA, like we do, like mm. you know that a movie's like this is an Oscar movie. Yeah, right. Like there's right. tour totally. de force performances, yeah. and this one's gonna it's gonna be like the movies you know going in. It's just gonna be rough, or this <laughs> is gonna be like really dramatic. Yeah, and like that's not usually it seems like the focal point for for games. Mm. Like that's not what a game pivots on mm-hmm. or that or um what it is grounded in is mm-hmm. like that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it seems, and maybe I'm just bullshitting here mm. that like what you're talking about is really valuable because it's not, 
people aren't expecting it. And there's so much room, <laughs> there's so much room to like give them something they weren't coming in for and help them grow in terms of how they consume art and what they get out of it. I think it's, yeah, I mean, like I can think of performances and games that have foreground. I mean, I think Last of Us really makes a space for that and sh- mm. makes it the center um, and the, the, <laughs> the center, the forefront, all my metaphors, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, but yeah, but Last of Us is like, this is the thing we're doing and it's going to invite you into that. And like, this is what you're looking for and what you're getting out of it. Um, so there are examples of that, but it is, yeah, I guess you could say we're in, in the process of moving in that direction more than having been in that direction for a long time. Yeah, I hope so. um, yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I don't know. I think the human voice is incredibly has like the potential has been there forever. Like, I think that, you know, you can, it's the one unsimulated part of your game. A lot of the time, right, where you have like, we're of art or we have things that are running and all this stuff. And then yeah. you're like, but that's just a human voice. Like there may be processing over it or whatever, but like it's a, that's one to one, a human being. Yeah. voice. So the right? closest thing for just of reality being plugged right into you. Right. So yeah. that being and I think that, you know, being in someone's living room and having them spending this amount of time and investment and attention um, and consideration with something makes it really intimate. So like, yeah, I think that the the power of voiceover to involve somebody and how high resolution you can make that emotion and, and sort of trusting your audience to pick all of it up is mm. all there and it has been done. But I, yeah, I think that it's maybe, I mean, that's why I'm excited about it. That's why I decided to yeah, focus on it, yeah. you know, both because I think that has the potential for that and has already been doing it because I've been affected by that stuff. But um, yeah, but that is, I think a, a direction that some games, not all of them, but some are going in and people mm. can take inspiration from. Yeah. It, it, like the way you were just talking when you were, focusing on on performance too about like not playing to the audience or not like asking something from them but but being authentic to a character or whatever like that is actually something that i think about a lot Mm. in in games and i always like to find this mutual ground because like i don't know that's what i find interesting about totally interdisciplinary creative work and especially that let's find that right it's like as i'm doing more and more personal stuff i'm putting more personal elements into a game and Arguably, like, Hyperlight Drifter is a game where uh, it's not one-to-one, and Alex Preston, who runs the project, like, it, it stems from more of his personal experiences, but there's, there's a lot of personal stuff in it for all of us, but it's not uh, as, like, I don't think of it as authorial. I think of it more as craft a lot mm-hmm. of the times. Um, but a lot of the other projects that I'm working on um, in, in the dark corners of my secret world, mm-hmm. um, which sounds terrible, uh, no, are, like, like so are more personal. And I think about... Um, where that line is because it's not always so clear mm-hmm. of am I being personal and exposed in a way that uh, like I just want to make sure I'm not playing to people mm-hmm. then I'm just like I don't know where you're going to find your window into this right. but yeah. I hope you do Yeah, like I had a lot of great uh, um, conversations with Nina Freeman about this uh, in, like over the course of the friendship we have where mm. um a lot of her work is very just like, this is just my life. Yeah. And uh, I don't really know if it's going to connect with you, but I'm just going to put it out. Yeah. And then I think what you learn is like, oh, people people are like me. Yeah. And I wonder, I, guess, I don't know, that what you're saying reminds me of that. Well, there's, you know, there's a principle in acting of, of being, of like, of the specific as a gateway to the universal. 
right? Where you're like, if I make a specific choice and maybe I put a, a very particular pin on it, like I, you know, it's a choice that's like, this is a very weird quirk that only happened to me. But if it's played authentically and if, if my connection to it is clear mm-hmm. and real, then people will draw that allegory, that totem or whatever it is, the thing that's particular yeah. will be replaced by whatever something specific in their life. Huh. But but the yeah. it's the connection that's actually universal. Whereas if I had been like generic something or other, weird right. generic feeling, like the wider you play, the less anyone can relate to it because their life isn't generic. Their life isn't yeah. that vague. So yeah. for them, the relationship to this specific thing is what connects with them and is universal, whereas the thing itself is irrelevant. Does that make sense? It does. It's an interesting, like I think about that, there's sort of a duality there uh, that I talk to people a lot when we're talking about like, feeling if, if they're a valid artist and mm-hmm. if they're, cause I, you know, imposter syndrome and things that we all talk about yeah. are very high concerns in the indie space. Yeah. Um, the duality that you are both more unique and less unique mm-hmm. than you think <laughs> that yeah. like, trust your voice, trust that you have something to say. You are unique. Like you, you, it is important that you speak mm-hmm. no matter who you are. Like if you're speaking authentically, like that's valuable. Mm-hmm. But part of the way that people can connect to it is what you're saying, which is like, actually, that's less unique than you think. Yeah. And so many people can relate to that. Yeah. And that's like the, that is the premise of the existence of uh, niche indie games. Yeah. That, and and niche anything Mm -hmm. that any, any medium that you just make something that you, you know, people say, oh, I just make the game I want to play. Yeah. I make the movie I want to watch. Yeah. And Turns out you're not so special. Yeah. I mean, like, to put in it in a way. shitty way. Yeah. No, in the best yeah, way. Yeah, like, like uh, 20,000 people also want to watch that, you know? And you're like, oh, cool. Like, yeah. You get me. Well, yeah, like, if you're, if you're acting, if you're, like, you or you've written a relationship between, like, you know, let's say a young girl and, like, her dog, what matters isn't that it's a dog. It's just that you had a pet that you cared about. So people will be like, many people are likely to have had an experience with a pet where that, that was like really powerful and intense. And that's what they're connecting with. Mm. And it, you know, in life it was like their rabbit or their cat or whatever. And like, it doesn't matter that it was a dog. It just matters the yeah. feelings that yeah. you have. And those are what's universal, you know? Hmm. Huh. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to, I can, I can make dead air on my own show. Sure. Watch me. Think about that one. Yeah. Let's all take a second to think about whatever Sarah just dropped. A moment of silence. Pick up your wine glass. Yeah. We're getting to the... My tolerance... This is an LA conversation. My my tolerance is garbage. My tolerance is garbage. Why is that LA? Um, Because I don't drink as much. I mean, you have to drive places and... Yeah. um, There's just less hanging out at bars. People just hang out at each other's houses, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Hey, kids, don't drink and drive. Right. Yeah. Don't drink and drive. Adults, too. Yeah, so my, my like safe baseline went from two drinks easy to like maybe one drink. Maybe. Yeah, hmm. Yeah, it's bananas. Man, this town. So like, <laughs> <laughs> pivot. What's up? No, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on this town. Uh, the other this is maybe another misconception that that I'm always interested in finding out about you or about your work. Ooh, okay. Uh, Fun is the degree to which you get to cross media. Um, I have this thing that I, that I love about LA, mm. which is that it feels like a creative mixing pot. Mm. That there's so many other things. There's a great music scene. There's a great art scene, mm. great games. And um, when you experience all that stuff, like you get influenced by a lot of different things, kind of like what we were saying, like mm. get outside of games, get outside of games. Yeah. I've been loving seeing movies since I moved here. Yeah. I, in a way that I haven't since high school. Oh, yeah. I love seeing movies. It's great. <laughs> well, why for you? 
why again well yeah. the theaters are great and they're cheaper and like the experience <laughs> is really pleasurable and there's just a culture of appreciation and interest and like it's happening here so there's it's sort of like on mind and um and maybe it's just been a great couple of years of movies i don't know yeah. yeah but it's it's great it's awesome i remember I the first it. time that i saw when i saw a movie in the dome at the mm-hmm. arclight theater and people applauded for the director's name at the beginning of the movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> like nice. What is that? Nice. And I think it was like actually a crowd of people who knew the director, oh, and they were okay. like there because it was opening night or something. Aww. But that's so. Whoop, that's so <laughs> uniquely LA. That's awesome. You know. Yeah, it's great. Um, but what I what I was trying to get to yes, is thank you. If you'll I'm let so me. Sorry, finish. what's wrong with me? It's the wine. No, is um. Do you get to work closely or interact with people who do work in other media, like namely film? Uh, I mean, like, I mean, there might be some crossover with animation, I would imagine. Well, for actors, for other kinds of voice actors, there's crossover in animation. A lot of the game voice actors I know do animation. Mm. Um, There's crossover in voiceover. I mean, I do commercials. I do commercials and games largely. Yeah. I mean, ask me in a couple of years because I like I feel like mm. I'm I'm still building a network of new communities and people, and I I'm very anxious to have people in community. I mean, I love my games friends here. I love that's why I felt safe enough or like ready to yeah. move here was that I had a, a you know a knot of amazing good people. We were glad you came. Yeah, it's, yes, you guys made it seem feasible, but um, but yeah, but one of the things I miss from New York was having a different you know liter- literary friends and theater friends and um people mm-hmm. in different industries. So I believe that's possible here. I haven't managed to build a very robust network of other people in the yeah. year that I've been here. And certainly nothing in my day is conducive to that where I go to a booth and then I come home or I go to a session and, you know, I yeah. meet one or one person a week or something, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean, my, at my agency, there, there's an on-camera department. I, I meet other voice actors. They touch different things. Yeah. Have um, you met Kiefer Sutherland yet? No. <laughs> No, because <laughs> he's one of you. Because he's yeah, because he's a peer. <laughs> so is Mark Hamill. So is Mark Hamill. I've met a lot of my heroes in my lobby. since you moved here, or just in oh, general? totally. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. A lot of them are at my. I mean, being a game voice actor fan, and yeah. then right. So like, I, I run into people that I've admired for a decade or more at the in the lobby of my agency, mm. like often, <laughs> which is nuts. You've got that cool thing that makes me feel like I'm not Hollywood enough because we're in different, like you have that circle that I don't have where like you'll mention someone by their first name <laughs> Oh God! and I'll do the beat of like, who dat? Who dat? Who that? I try to do that only with people that I really, truly know and hang out with. Yeah. No, no, no. But it's not, <laughs> I get that, that you don't want to be the douchey, like, yeah. you know, me and Barack were hanging right. out last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I just mean in terms of like having a reference for like oh everyone knows that person everyone well i mean mm-hmm. i can say kefir you know kefir but we we do that with other game developers oh all yeah the time. oh yeah yeah that's right that's what i'm saying it's not unique to you like i probably do that to people who don't know games yeah oh oh well all right <laughs> <laughs> thanks teddy all right um so i will ask you in a couple years yeah ask me in a couple years because i hope that the answer is yes that i would love to meet more people who are doing film and, and other kinds of things. Well, and you do lots of work. I mean, I, I know that you do some work like advocating for um, agency relationship with studios and like, yeah, with actors. Yeah. Actors yeah. And, and developers. And yeah, that's true too. And you do a lot of work with like, you've done work with Indicate and mm-hmm. stuff. Like we haven't even, 
We haven't really gotten to touch on that, but like you are uh, involved in games in a deeper way. Um, I mean, I think we all are in a deeper a way that goes deeper than our craft or our like the stuff we're making. I wish that were true of all voice actors, but it's not really. Do you feel like that's a is that a failure? Um, do I think that it impedes in their work? No. Some of the best voice, best, most generous, most committed, mm-hmm. long-term genius, wonderful people yeah. I know don't play games at all. Mm. Um, I think that it probably, that my playing games it helps my work in ways that I probably some, in some ways can, in some ways can't put my finger on. Um, and I think that being invested in them outside of just playing them for my, for with an eye toward acting is, I mean, it's, it sustains me when work is slow. It's something to think about and discuss and contribute to when work is slow or even when it's busy, just like a way of feeling expansive and less kind of solipsistic. Um, a way, you know, room for me to make a contribution instead of just wait for someone waiting for someone to come and ask me to be in their game. Hmm. Um, so it's a lot, a lot of it is a sanity thing. Um, but it's, it's nourishing. I mean, it gives like, if I were, you know, the thing that was tricky was I was looking at specializing in different kinds of acting, like, theater and film the networking was not pleasurable <laughs> the, just the communities like and some of my dearest friends are theater actors or, or film actors but yeah. a lot of just the networking was really not fun and like talking to game developers was is remains enormously fun and stimulating and fantastic and so that was one sign but also just that there was so much to consider um and contribute to outside of my piece of it yeah like i, I mean there's a need in me for it for that half of yeah. things um, for giving back or for moving forward or for helping or something um, outside of just acting. Um, well, I think that's really valuable. And I think it's, it's valuable to have your, your perspective w- from, from your particular craft mm. going into environments where like you're not playing that role. Yeah. Because like arguably, you know, especially with the way that a lot of workflows go with games, like yeah. you're, you are um, at the whim of how other people are making a game. And like, mm. there's not a lot of opportunity for you to affect change right. outside of your performance. So I can I can absolutely see, and and have seen like the the value of your work and the way Aww. that you kick ass outside of voices and so. Teddy. Yeah. Oh, Teddy. Well, that means so much because I mean we're at like I don't want to go into it because I'm certainly not a spokesperson, but um, but we are at a crisis point or or, or a thresh or like a breaking point for that lack of awareness on both sides of the acting community and the and the rest of the pipeline and the rest of the community that Why? makes games. Say more about that. Well, um, because we are renegotiating the contract, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so it matters that we understand how the other, how everyone else works, whether it's the developers knowing what an actor's life is like and what their, what their lifestyle is like and what, you know, sort of the math is there and then vice versa where actors, you know, should know how the rest of the sausage is made. And, um, so it's important to me both as a goodwill gesture and also because it, I have cared and will continue to care forever um, about, about this as a holistic thing that's made between across all parties. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, so being available to share my half of things or my perspective of things and, and demonstrating interest and having and increasing my awareness about everybody else's side of stuff is, I feel like it has an urgency to it right now. You know? Yeah. I see that completely, especially being, being in this town and, and seeing seeing it firsthand from you and, and what you've talked about. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. Thanks, Teddy. Yeah, that was that was good. I like that one. Um, 
Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to me talk to Sarah about uh, some of the craft of voiceover work. It's it's super interesting to hear deep dives on that and to understand better uh, an angle of this industry that gets, uh, I think, more and more important as we learn to work with actors better. I think the better you learn how to take advantage of uh, a tool or an, an artistic element of games, uh, the more it is used because people see the benefit of it. You know, when you see when you hear bad voice acting in games, uh, you kind of just want to drown it out with with um, production value or animation or, or something to just kind of distract from it. But the better performances get, the more you want to focus on the performances. Uh, and also, you know, things like graphic fidelity, mocap, facial capture also uh, increase the things that we can do with actors and get their performances into the game. So uh, I'm generally super excited about working with actors. It's actually one of the reasons I got into games, ironically, because there's no uh, voice or talking at all in Hyperlight Drifter, but that's just not the game that we made this time around. Um, yeah, thank you all for listening. Next episode on Thursday, I'm very excited for because I'm going to sit down with my good friend, my birthday buddy, uh, born on the same day and year as I, Alex Preston, who's the creator of Hyperlight Drifter, my dear, dear friend, we are going to sit down and try to figure out what the fuck is going on, how we feel, and uh, what's going to happen next. So uh, tune in on Thursday to episode five. This has been episode four. I'm out. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.